Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, listeners and viewers. Welcome to another episode of Disrupt Ed. I'm Ron Stefanski, your host, and I am joined today by an extraordinary friend, colleague, and visionary in the world of disruption, this 5G-wired, globally interconnected, technology-augmented world we live in. We're trying to figure out how do we navigate it? How do we prosper in it? How do we avoid conflict in it? And one of the best places, by far and away, one of the most special places to unlock the mysteries of all of that is right in your public library. So today with me, I have a special guest. Uh, John Zabo is the city librarian for Los Angeles. I have known John for almost 20 years full disclosure, and he was one of the first library directors I met back in 2004, and he also became the youngest librarian of a major urban library when he took over the helm at Atlanta Fulton before coming to Los Angeles. So I've had an amazing run with John working on various projects, and here's the thing that's interesting, and I'm just, John, welcome to the show. It's great to have you. Fantastic to be here, Ron. Thanks so much for having me. Well, it's just always fun to talk with you. And I think this is kind of ironic. We're both sitting in offices that are legitimately full of books. And yet when we started talking librarian to, you know, library provider, we were never talking about books. We were talking about the digital age and the disruption that technology, you know, created for libraries. And so I think about libraries as the consummate disruptors. When I was a kid, they were disrupting library services by taking the libraries right to your neighborhood. And I was a recipient of that goodness in the city of Detroit on the east side when the bookmobile showed up every week. And I loved my bookmobile and my bookmobile librarian. And if she didn't have a book for me and I didn't write it out in nice clean penmanship for my uh for, for my uh, sister, you know, none, then she would correct it. And then they would go in special order. And then the next week, the bookmobile came came with me. That's how I was introduced to Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and Roald Dolls. So, John, we've gone back and had a lot of these conversations. And I want you to share with people why you're so enthusiastic about library work. Uh, off the show, we were talking to uh, John. And he was sharing about the Call of Nations, a special event that he was hosting right today uh, to bring new citizens in and have a swearing-in ceremony. And John is extraordinary in this respect. He has a childlike enthusiasm about work in the libraries. And you can tell he still gets goosebumps over these things. And I do too. So we're going to geek out a little bit here. But John, tell us what brought you originally into public libraries. Sure. Well, thanks again, uh, Ron. Uh, it's really great to be here. And yes, I, I get wildly enthusiastic when I talk about libraries. I might even leap toward the, the <laughs> camera. And by the way, this is a real background. Sometimes people Mine ask Mine is if too. If I can pull, it's, I can pull uh, books An off. artificial yep. one, but, but those, are, uh, those are books actually that have been signed by the authors that have, have come and oh, visited us here at the LA mm -hmm. Public Library. Um, I started in libraries when I was 16 years old. I had the very good fortune of, um, of, of being hired at a, a very tiny library. On a, it was a community library on an Air Force base. And 
Montgomery, Alabama, and I was just, I love going to the library. I love the sense of, of, of discovery, of happenstance, of, of being able to go in any direction to explore a topic. And I also was just absolutely fascinated with all the things that happened behind the desk, behind the scenes. And, and that $3.15 uh, an hour job uh, really de developed into a, a lifelong passion for libraries and then later public libraries and the, the incredible, powerful mission of public libraries. You can talk about disruption. Oh my goodness, yes, public libraries absolutely are disruptors. And, and I think that the disruption that isn't just happening now, but has always been sort of part of public libraries is just a beautiful thing. And, and libraries have done a really great job of capitalizing on change and, and have really evolved with technology and in really incredible ways, uh, adapting to new technologies and using that just to have a greater impact on people's lives. And ultimately, that's what this work is about, is impacting people's lives in meaningful It really ways. is. And I think that uh, you, among others, have taken a lead, uh, certainly back in 2004, when we were just introducing a lot of library reference materials that were going digital. And I remember a conversation specifically where you wanted to put the challenge to us as a vendor, as a partner of the library, to consider what you meant what what patrons wanted um, who said they were coming to the library for lifelong learning. You know, we were talking uh, outside the show about, you know, Cleveland Public Library calls itself the People's University. I mean, the library is a beacon for lifelong learning. And you started the kernel of a conversation that has exploded into something really quite spectacular. In that, in that conversation, you were talking about, can't we offer classes? Can't we offer um, you know, certifications, can't we offer other things to patrons to continue that search they have for lifelong learning? So can you talk a little bit about that and what propelled you to do that? Sure. And I think at that time, uh, you know, ebooks were, were in becoming increasingly popular. And we had um, at the, the public library in Atlanta, uh, a, a fantastic program uh, surrounding GEDs and helping people prepare for the GED, study for the GED, um, uh, get ready to take that exam. And actually we administered the exam as well. And it was a, 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 a such a popular program, not only with the wonderful people that we served who ultimately got their GED through the public library, but also our elected officials, stakeholders, and others really understood the impact that that program had. And when I was in a budget hearing, I was talking about this program and the, the elected officials who were making decisions about our budget uh, were so enthusiastic that they, they made a motion to give me a few hundred thousand dollars on toward GED books. And while we spent some money on physical books for GED students and, and to help them, I knew that we didn't need all of those dollars for so uh, I, I began asking questions about what can we do in the digital space around online education, around uh, adult learning in that space. Uh, and, and we really developed uh, something called eCampus and uh, a, a, an entire suite of online learning. And the recession was coming along. It was so popular for people to use the public library to to access these free classes online and to add all of that learning to their resumes and to help prepare them and help them be better candidates for jobs, uh, that it, it, it ultimately evolved into, um, I think, libraries and, and here in LA offering an online high school diploma. 
and and just understanding the kind of impact the library can have in the digital space right. as well as the physical space and also understand how we can drive traffic in both, in both directions, directions right well the interesting thing is i had the privilege of being with you when the e-campus launched in atlanta fulton and i don't know if you remember this but i very vividly remember standing there with you as press people were coming in and various people from the commission were coming in city council and then there were two young men do you remember this and there were two young men and they were dressed in shirts and ties. And this is like in the middle of summer in Atlanta. And I asked the mother, I said, oh, this is great that you brought your sons here. And um, they're all dressed up. And she said, I want them to see how important it is when they show up to learn. And they're going to have a unique opportunity this summer to take classes here at the library. And I want them to understand what a serious opportunity this is. I was just about in tears. I mean, I, I still remember that. And I think back to that time and wow, look at where libraries are now. I want to focus a little of attention on something else you were talking about that you kind of added in the full menu of, of things you've done digitally. But the one I want to uh, cite a real particular uh, kudos to you on is your vision behind high school completion because it took the sum of several years to convince a whole series of stakeholders that we as vendors should be offering an opportunity to provide a high school completion program and that the library would be a place to do that. And, you know, when I started having these conversations, a lot of libraries were, hmm, you know, I'm not sure about that and the cost and how would that work? And we're used to getting electronic materials on a subscription basis. You're talking about a one-on-one. -on -one. And maybe you can walk the audience through why you didn't think that way at all, because quite honestly, there are over 300 libraries now in the country that are offering a high school program, an accredited high school diploma program. That would not have happened, John, if it hadn't been for your vision. So I think it's important for our audience to understand disruption right at the point of need and right at the point of inception here. So maybe you can share a little bit more about that. Well, I think it's about public libraries having this just amazingly broad mission of serving absolutely everyone in the community and uh, and taking advantage of that and and finding ways for the public library to to tailor its services, its collections, the the talents of its staff to the some of the biggest issues that our communities face. And and a big issue that communities all across the country face are you know, individuals who do not have the, 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 the educational background that they want in order to get the, the, the additional education that they need, be it community college, trade school, four-year institution, or the job that they want. And the barrier for so many is a high school diploma. And there are all sorts of reasons, very understandable, legitimate reasons why people through through trauma, family circumstances, are not able to get that high school diploma when they're teenagers, but so many people do. And so what role can the library play to be able to offer, um, and this is not a GED, and a GED is wonderful and, and is a, uh, opens doors to all sorts of wonderful things, but for many people, they want that high school diploma. And so this is a public library offering an accredited online high school diploma that that is a ticket to all of this other wonderful uh, wonderful things that can happen in their lives and it's also a way for the public library to contribute to workforce development and economic development and so 
the, the LA Public Library and libraries all across the country are offering this now through various channels. And uh, here in LA, we have, we're approaching any moment now. I think we're four graduates away from 800 graduates. Let me repeat that. Wait a minute, John. And you just said 800 graduates? 800 graduates, uh, absolutely. Uh, who, people, Angelinos, residents of this amazing city of angels uh, here in California who have received uh, their accredited online high school diploma. And I will tell you, I've had tears in my eyes when I have attended I have graduation too, and I've been there with you, so I, I get that. It's, it's powerful. Caps and gowns, absolutely. And, and it's so emotional to see uh, not only parents, but children of the graduates applauding their, their parents who get that degree. So it's a powerful statistic of the public library. It's not the biggest number. I mean, we circulate tons more books, right. we circulate more eBooks, we do all sorts of things in bigger numbers, but that number of graduates is very, a, a wonderful piece of evidence of the library. Well, I want to stay on the subject for a minute because I want to cite a couple of things. Number one, you know, the, the high school credential is such a gating factor and for so many people, there is not a point of access for them to go back into a traditional high school. They've aged out of it, right? So where are they going to go? So I think you've created an interesting place for them to go. But the other thing I want to cite, John, is you actually moved well beyond your realm as a superhero librarian and library director when this, you know, when this was coming to fruition, because you literally worked with uh, the Gale and the Smart Horizon folks to change up how it was delivered. One of the things that was fundamentally different about the delivery of a high school is that the tuition would be cost prohibited to all Angelinos if they all went to the high school and then many of them didn't complete it. You'd be spending a lot of money. And one of the innovative things that I thought you did, which now hundreds of libraries are doing, is you offered them sort of a teaser. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. We, we give them a, a bit of early on experience to, to give them a sense of what online learning is about, give them that, that ability to do that. And, and we provide this for free. Uh, we provide a scholarship. We, we fund it through a variety of sources through the state of California. We, we raise money uh, philanthropically for it. Our Library Foundation of Los Angeles generously supports these scholarships. And then the library supports it certainly with our infrastructure, our staff, uh, supporting students, making certain that they're successful as they go through uh, the classes. And for some, uh, those who uh, uh, may have dropped out close to graduation, it's a shorter period of time. Uh, for those that, that uh, didn't uh, drop out maybe in 10th grade or 11th grade, it's a little bit longer. Uh, but we're here to support them throughout. And we're uh, always excited when they Well, when I think that's one of the untold secrets for a lot of these folks is, to your point, they may show up at the library, and because you're offering a nationally accredited program, you can actually accept credits for previous courses that they've done. So they don't realize, wow, I, I dropped out 20 years ago, but I actually made it through the 11th grade. So I only need four or five credits to actually complete my study and get my degree. I mean, that's a big a wow moment for people, I think. It is. And for so many people, I think the idea, if they've, if they've dropped out of high school, they, they didn't get that diploma, they're 30, 40, 50, whatever years old, and it, it can seem like such a daunting thing to do. It can seem like, well, and, and there's a lot of unknowns. And so by providing that information, just like you just did, we hope people will 
will see it as a much more accomplishable thing. And the Los Angeles Public Library and certainly public libraries around the country are here to help. Well, and I think the other thing is by offering them, you know, a certificate program as a teaser, not as a teaser, but as a starting point, a lot of people can start wrestling and thinking through, how am I going to have to change up my life, my daycare arrangements, my transportation, in such a way to take on the full task of a high school diploma. So um, what was interesting and to our listening and viewing audience, we're here on Disrupt Ed talking to one of the ultimate library disruptors and superheroes among us, John Zabo, the city librarian for Los Angeles. And we're talking about high school completion that John himself pioneered and is now prevalent in high in public libraries, getting a high school diploma. What a gating factor to open up for people. And John, you were talking a little bit before the show about another place where you kind of open the floodgates for people, and that's new citizens and new Americans. I think sometimes uh, we put a stereotype on high school dropouts. We put a stereotype around new Americans, and yet these are the lifeblood of our communities, right? And so talk to me a little bit about the call of nations and the special role that the library is playing with new Americans in the citizenship programs. Well, I think public libraries for for decades have been uh, have had a very special relationship with immigrant communities going back to the early part of the last century and citizenship classes and things like that. And I think what we've seen in the last decade or so is public libraries just renewing that commitment to immigrant communities. And certainly we love our immigrant communities here in Los Angeles. And uh, again, we serve everyone. We serve the documented, the undocumented, we serve the rich and the poor, and we 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 want to be able to provide those services to them. And that is a real need uh, here in LA. There are over 700,000 legal permanent residents, individuals who uh, qualify to become U.S. citizens and to go through that naturalization process. And that can be very intimidating for people. And so in 2012, we said we want all of our libraries to have information on that process. And we started a citizenship initiative and uh, it grew and grew and grew to provide more and more services for immigrants. And we now call it our New Americans Initiative. We have New American Centers at seven of our libraries. We have New Americans Welcome Stations at all 73 of our libraries, classes, workshops, English language learning classes, helping people prepare for the citizenship test, all of those things. And then today, uh, just as a beautiful example, just before coming to have this conversation with you. I was in a formal uh, citizenship uh, ceremony where individuals took the oath of office and the call of nations you referenced was a, it's just a very special part of that ceremony when all of the nations that are represented, the nations that these immigrants have immigrated from are called out and, you know, Armenia, South Africa, Oman, um, Mexico, uh, El Salvador, so many nations, it's usually about 20 or 25 nations and uh, they stand up and they're waving American flags and the national anthem is sung, the Pledge of Allegiance is, is said. I have the opportunity to talk about why we love this work, why we wanna welcome our immigrant communities and how uh, an opportunity really to encourage them to make use of all of our 
library resources and to take advantage of their rights and responsibilities as new, as citizens. new citizens. So it's a very special event. I think it's just another phenomenal example of some of the work that you do in the public libraries, John. And I'm reminded of my own childhood in Detroit. Uh, when I grew up on the east side, I grew up among immigrants. My family was first generation from Eastern Europe, from Poland and Czechoslovakia. And um, our neighborhood was rife with Germans, Italians, Poles, all of whom were non-native speakers of the language. And when you think about it, those are the people that went on to build cars in the community and to, and to build neighborhoods and then to, um, small businesses. And we cannot forget the important role that immigrants play in the American experiment, right? I mean, that's that's what this is all about. And I think the library has advanced to become such a treasured institution, but at a remarkably important inflection point where the rise of nationalism is is calling into question the rights of citizens that aren't born here or aren't, you know, uh, haven't been here. And that's kind of um, a real challenge for many people when you think about the immigrants coming from abroad that are leaving strife and global conflict uh, and they show up at our doors what a welcoming thing to come into your library and to have a whole program welcoming them into their community. Just fantastic. Well, and that's the idea, you know, and it's important work, not only in large cities like Los Angeles, but in small towns across the country to have that institution, the public library say, you are welcome here. And the public library can be so helpful to new Americans to help them integrate into their community and, uh, and, and, and also uh, provide materials uh, perhaps in their own uh, native language. Uh, but uh, it's, it's an incredible message to it send is a phenomenal and, and message. To, to the public library. So, John, I'm not done with you yet, but we're coming up on the hour here. So what I'm going to suggest is that we give our audience a, a, a little break and we invite you, those of you who are listening, this is Disrupt Ed, the show where we talk about massive, ginormous 5G uh, disruption going on in the world and people that can help us with it. And we have one of the master helpers here uh, with John Zabel, City Librarian from Los Angeles. So I'm going to ask John to stick around and you're going to get treated to a second episode with John where I'm going to challenge him to talk about what the future of libraries looks like. If he took if he took the shushing out of libraries, if he took and, and allows coffee in the building now, if he allows people to be doing all kinds of different things, the New Americans Initiative, the high school program, what I'm really interested in when we come back is to hear from John what's coming next. So stay tuned to episode two with John Zabo right here on Disrupt Ed. Invite, by all means, join us in the Disrupt Ed community, subscribe to our newsletter, and listen to all the podcasts as we continue to expand our coverage of disruption in public libraries. Thank you. Stay tuned. <laughs> 